0: I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in the New Testament, the book of Galatians. That's where we'll be spending our time over the next number of weeks together as we walk through this important letter from Paul to a group of churches in this important area. As we do that, the message is entitled The Original. How many of you remember the original internet? You remember those noises? You remember what it sounded like? Remember how slow it was? Wow. Teenagers in here are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Or how many of you remember the original cell phone? Remember that? It was shaped like a brick. It's about that big. I remember my dad was a salesman and uh, got into the car one day and he had just gotten one of the original bag phones that sat in. The bottom of his car there plugged into the cigarette lighter, and he said, son, you can never, ever use this. It was a dollar a minute. You know, there's some things that we don't want to go back to the original. I'm completely happy with my iPhone. I don't want a back phone. I'm completely happy with one gigabyte download speed. I'm not interested in whatever it used to be. But then there's some things that you don't want to get away from the original. One of those, Coca-Cola found out back in 1985 when they tried to change the formula of Coca-Cola to New Coke. Some of you may remember that. They pulled it off the shelves within three months because people revolted. They said, we want the original." What we're going to see in the text this morning and what we're going to see in the book of Galatians as we walk through it is Paul writing to a group of churches saying to them, don't lose the gospel. The original message of the gospel, what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf, don't lose that. Don't allow someone to come in and steer you in a direction that is antithetical to the gospel or try to add something to the message of the gospel, remain firm and fixed on the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we look at the text this morning, I hope you will see Paul's urgency as he writes to this group of believers. And my hope and prayer is that we would sense the urgency as well in our lives as we consider the text this morning. I want to read for us Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 10, and then we'll walk back through it together. according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together today, and it's this truth. As Christians, we are a gospel people, and we must remain committed to it without compromise. We are a gospel people, and we must remain committed to the gospel without compromise compromise. As we look at the text this morning, this word gospel is going to continue to pop up in Paul's writings to this group of believers. And so I want us to define the term real quick. I want us to know as followers of Jesus, if that's where you are, what is the gospel? And it's simply the message of the good news of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. Paul's going to unpack that for us in just a little bit, but I want us to all know that as we talk about being a gospel people, that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that forms the foundation for us. Everything that we believe emanates from that. Everything that we stand on, we stand from that foundation. And for Paul, as he's writing to this group of believers in this important location, there's a problem that they have experienced. In fact, people have come in to this group of churches in this important location, and they are doing everything they can to add something to the gospel. They're saying it's not just enough to believe Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need Jesus plus this physical act of circumcision. You need Jesus plus something else to be saved. And For us as a gospel people, we should know that's not the case at all. It's Jesus plus nothing. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And for Paul in this moment, he, and I love Paul, Paul usually in his letters, and we've walked our way as a church family through those, and the last years together we have unpacked those for Paul. Paul will usually issue a greeting. He'll say, here's who I am. Here's who I'm writing this letter to. And then he'll simply say, I'm excited about what God's doing in your life. I want to praise the Lord for how he's working in you. If you remember a few years back, we talked about the compliment sandwich. I don't know if you remember that or not, church. The compliment sandwich, uh, this may be something you want to take notes on that you can utilize later on. If you've got a difficult conversation that you need to have with someone, you want to employ the compliment sandwich. That simply means you want to say something positive at the front end of that. For instance, let's say there's something bad that's happened. You had a flood at your house. You're calling your spouse on the phone and you say, honey, I just want you to know I really love you. (laughs) Compliment. Our house just flooded. Bad news. But then you followed up with, but we've gotten through a lot of things together and I know this is not going to be a problem for us. We're going to walk through this together. I love you. You hang up. Paul oftentimes does that in his letters. Paul will write to a group of believers, to a church, and he'll say to them, I am excited about what God's doing in the midst of you. I'm excited about the transformation that's happened. I'm excited about the impact that you're making in the community in which you find yourselves. Then he'll lay out maybe some things that they need to work on, some things they need to move forward with, and then he'll close it up with a compliment. But I don't know if you noticed, in the book of Galatians, he doesn't do that. In fact, beginning after his greeting in verse 6, Paul is going to lay the hammer down on this group of believers because the gospel of Jesus Christ is important for us to know, to understand, and to remain committed to. So, as we look at the text this morning, as We look at verses 1 through 5. I want you to write down this first truth. We must remember the gospel is the foundation of the Christian life. The gospel is the foundation of the Christian life. Look with me in verse 1. Paul begins with his typical greeting. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Paul, as he's writing to this group of churches in Galatia, is saying to them, I'm writing this with authority. And it's not authority that's been granted to be my men. It's authority that's been granted to me by the Lord Jesus Christ, by our heavenly Father. I am an apostle, one who's seen the risen Christ on the Damascus road. And Paul says, I have the authority to write to you and to instruct you and to direct you to follow Jesus with All of your heart. So Paul is about to unload on them, but he begins with I'm doing this not simply because I want to do it and I can do it. I'm doing it because I've been called by God to do it. He says, It is Jesus Christ and God the Father who's called me, and it's the Father who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, Paul says in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to take note here in verse 4. It is Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is writing this letter to a group of believers. And he reminds them of how their lives were transformed. They didn't pick themselves up by their own bootstraps. They didn't live a holy and righteous life. And as a result of that, God looked at them and said, I'm going to save you because of what you've done. In fact, he says here, it is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through what Christ did. It's through, he says in verse four, he gave himself for our sins, So as we talk about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what we're talking about. It is through Jesus Christ that our sins can be forgiven. It's through Jesus Christ, life, death, burial, and resurrection, Paul would say that we can be forgiven of our sins. We can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the foundation for our lives as believers. Here's what I'm afraid sometimes we do, though. I'm afraid sometimes we look at the gospel of Jesus Christ simply as the starting line for the Christian life. So like we check that box and then we run the race of life as a believer. I want you to recognize that we never graduate from the gospel We never move beyond the gospel. In fact, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the foundation for our lives. If you're building a house, you begin first with what? The foundation. It is the foundation that you build on top of. And the same thing holds true for our lives as believers. We build on the top of the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has transformed our lives. So Paul is writing to this group of believers and he is reminding them of how their lives were transformed. Now think about who this is coming from. It's coming from Paul whose own life was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, prior to this, when Jesus met Paul on the Damascus road, Paul was simply running along seeking to stamp out Christianity, seeking to persecute the church until he saw Jesus face to face. And then he said, "Uh uh-oh, And it's Jesus Christ who called him, who gave him a mission, who gave him a purpose in life to share the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever he went. And Paul, throughout his ministry, both in the region of Galatia here and throughout the known Roman world, everywhere Paul went, he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, your life is built on the foundation of the gospel. You never move beyond that. In fact, it is the motivation to which we live out the Christian life. We're reminded over and over and over again throughout the scriptures that we need to build our lives on the sure rock, the sure foundation, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. So for Paul writing to this group of believers here who he's about to bring the hammer down in verse 6, He calls their attention back to the foundation of their life as a believer. My prayer, my hope for us as we look at the text this morning is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you would be reminded of the foundation of the gospel that is how you came to meet Jesus Christ as your Savior. But maybe you're here this morning and when we talk about the message of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done, you have never received that for yourself. Maybe you've never come to that point in your life where you realized I'm a sinner in need of a savior and Jesus Christ is the only way by which I can be saved from my sin. Maybe today that is the step that you need to take. As Paul is writing to this group of believers here, the first step in taking a move towards Christ is to recognize the truth of who he is and what he's done. So Paul writes his typical greeting But what we're missing is the first part of the compliment sandwich in verse 6. He doesn't give that. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this truth down, the second truth in our text this morning. We must remember, deserting or distorting the gospel is a real possibility. Writing to this group of believers, verse 6, Paul says, I am astonished says, I'm blown away that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and that you are turning to a different gospel. Paul's writing to this group of believers and he's saying to them, you know how you met Jesus Christ. You know the message of the gospel. You know the transformation that that brought into your life. But for whatever reason, at this point in time, you are turning away from that. In fact, you're turning your attention, your focus to another gospel. But then he says in verse seven, I love this, just, just for clarification, not that there is another one, Paul says, you're turning to a different gospel, but but there's not a different gospel. And then he says, there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, this right here should cause your antennas to go up. Because I want you to know that what they were experiencing here in the region of Galatia, in these churches as believers, we are experiencing today and every believer has experienced throughout history. There are those who are seeking to preach, to teach a different gospel. Not the true gospel of Jesus Christ, but a different gospel. That Paul says in verse 8, but even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. I don't know if you know this or not, but Paul is taking this very, very seriously, I mean, he simply cursed whoever is preaching a false gospel twice in the text here. So as we think about it, what we're going to find out is that the false gospel that was being preached here in this region was those were coming in and saying, you need Jesus plus something else. It's not enough that Jesus Christ saves you from your sin. You need Jesus plus, in this case, the physical act of circumcision. That's what you have to have. Those two things must come together for you to be saved. So let's think about that. Maybe that's not the issue that we hear today. We don't hear false gospels in that sense. I don't know anybody who's running around saying anything like that. That for them was a big deal, though, as you had Jews and Gentiles who were coming together as believers within the early church. And so Paul is writing this to the group of believers here and saying, whoa, 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 don't don't fall into this. Don't allow this false gospel to take over. You know the true gospel. Let's think about that in relation to us, though. What about us? What are the false gospels that are prevalent in the culture in which we live? That for us as believers, we need to be aware of. See, the truth is, we need to be careful, that what we listen to on TV or podcast, what we listen to in our cars, that it is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So he says here, be careful. You quickly deserted. You quickly fell into those who were distorting the gospel. So for us, how do we prepare ourselves for that? Don't be naive and think that there are not false gospels that are floating around in our culture in which we live. It's absolutely happening. Here's one that you may want to write down. It's what I would just simply call a universal gospel. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but some people will say things like, you know, Jesus really isn't the only way to be saved. He's not the only way to get to heaven. In fact, there's numerous ways you can get to heaven. In fact, all roads I mean, you're essentially at the bottom of the mountain. God's at the top. You can pick your route, but you're eventually going to get up there. Here's the problem. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there's only one way to be saved from our sins, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father apart from him. So for us as believers, we need to be careful that there are people within the world in which we live who are seeking to proclaim that universal gospel. You don't need just Jesus. You can have any type of religion and get to heaven, but that's not what the scripture teaches. So for us as believers, our antenna should go up there. should go, no, no, no. It's only Jesus. He's the only one who can transform someone's life. He's the only way whereby we can be saved from our sins. Not only is there a universal gospel, but as we saw here in the text, there's a works-based gospel that's still prevalent today as well. Where people say you need Jesus plus something else. Maybe it's Jesus plus baptism. Maybe it's Jesus plus some encounter with the Holy Spirit. Jesus plus something else. And if you don't have that something else, you can't be saved from your sins. But I want you to know that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches it's by faith alone in Christ alone. That is how we're saved from our sins. So, believer, let me encourage you when someone may pop up and say, No, you need something else, you go, No, no, no. It's not what the Scripture teaches. I don't know if you know this or not, there's another gospel that's floating around out there as well. It's the prosperity gospel. You typically see this with TV evangelists, but you see it in other locations as well where people will say things like, God's primary desire for your life is that you have what you want. Get a nice job, you get a good car, you get a nice house, good family. Plenty of money in your bank account. God's primary aim in your life is to give you what you want. Here's the problem. God knows oftentimes what we want is not what we need. And then when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the life of the early church, you realize that most of them followed Jesus to their death. You back out a little bit and look across the world at this point in time. In China, you look in Afghanistan, you look in other places in the Middle East, followers of Jesus Christ are laying their lives down, standing firm on the gospel of Jesus. To which they would look and say, prosperity? I'm losing my life following Jesus. And you're talking about a Ferrari. But for us as believers, our antenna should go up in that moment and go, God's primary aim is not to give me what I want. God's primary aim is his own glory, what Paul said. And then this is one that I think may be a little bit more subtle. And if we're not careful, we may adopt it as our own. It's what I call the cherry on top gospel or the assumed gospel. That if we're not careful as followers of Jesus, we'll think that the Christian life primarily is about me doing certain things. That I'm responsible to do these things and if we just kind of sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on top of it, we're good to go. Jesus is just the cherry on top of the life that I'm living out. I want you to notice that that would be the equivalent of Jesus just simply being the wreath on your front door of your house. But Jesus is the foundation of your house as a believer. He is the cornerstone. And so we've got to be careful as followers of Jesus that we don't lose sight of the truth of the gospel because in the culture in which we live, there are a number of false gospels that are being proclaimed. I told the first service this, and it's something that I want to just let you know as well. The reason, convictionally, that I preach through books of the Bible week in and week out, verse by verse, is because of this very thing. Some of you may think, you know, I wonder if he does that because he's just not that creative. Like, I mean, maybe he just can't come up with catchy titles. Maybe he can't come up with a catchy series. Maybe he can't do the five steps to a better marriage or three ways not to kill your kids when you really want to. I mean, maybe that's what you're thinking. I mean, like you are sitting back, but I want you, so let me just kind of peel back the onion for you real quick. For me as a pastor, here's my conviction in this that what every single one of us as followers of Jesus, and if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, my prayer is that you will soon be a follower of Jesus. But what we desperately need is the truth of God's word in our lives. You say, Michael, why do you say that? Because there's a story about Jesus in Luke chapter 24. This is after Jesus has died on the cross, after he's risen from the grave, after he's shown himself to his disciples, that he is walking along what's called the Emmaus Road, and he's having a conversation with two guys, and they're, they're talking about what's just transpired in Jerusalem, this guy named Jesus, they thought he was the Savior, they, they were hoping, they were waiting, and it says it at that point that Jesus began at the beginning of the scriptures and the law. And that he walked through the law and the prophets and the writings. And he unpacked for them in a mini seminary class walking along the road how all of Scripture points to him as the Savior. So for me in this moment as I look, I'm thinking, I'm probably not that creative. But what I know is that regardless of whether I'm in Genesis or in Joel or in Matthew or in Revelation, regardless of what book we find ourselves in, here's the confidence that we have every single verse is pointing to Jesus Christ as the Savior, as the foundation for our lives. So for me in this moment, I'm looking and I'm thinking, what better thing can I do? Then week after week after week, unpack God's word verse by verse from the Old Testament to the New Testament and back and forth and back and forth so that you and I will drink deeply from the well of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that it will sink down deep in our hearts. Now, here's the thing you say about Pastor Michael, you got to help me like live out like I, I really do need to know how not to kill my kids, Right. I really do need to know how to have a better marriage. And here's, here's what I believe. It begins with the transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. You want to know how you have a better marriage? You need to meet Jesus first. Because it is Jesus who transforms your life. It is Jesus who is the model for how a husband should love his wife as Christ loves his church. All of that is packed into the scriptures. So regardless of where we go week in and week out, as long as we remain tethered to the text, we can be confident that the gospel will be the foundation of every single thing that we do. So for Paul in this moment, he looks at this group of believers and he says, how how did you turn so quickly away from it? Maybe for you this morning, that's the question. As a follower of Jesus, have you turned from that? Have you turned away into one of these false gospels? Has one of them kind of seeped in a bit in your life? And maybe just unknowingly you've kind of turned and you go, oh, I kind of like that. Everybody can be saved. I kind of like that I can add something to my salvation. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I, I like to check boxes. Make list, check by. I mean, it's just the way I'm wired. The beginning of the day, here's a list, here's the things I need to do. Sometimes we get that way in the Christian life, too. We think we just got to check boxes because we got to help God out a little bit. Maybe it's the prosperity gospel. Maybe you really, really have drifted in to thinking God's primary aim is for you to be healthy and wealthy. I'm going to tell you, that's a dangerous spot to be. Maybe, maybe it's not so bold as that. But maybe it's just, you kind of drift through life doing your own thing, and you kind of just sprinkle Jesus on top. He's just the cherry on top of the life you live. I want you to notice in verse 10, verse 10, The third truth we see, we must remember we have one person to please in the Christian life. One person to please. I love Paul. Paul's just honest. Paul has laid the hammer down on this group of believers. He didn't even do it with a compliment sandwich. He just gave it right to them. said, what are you doing? I'm astonished. Are you kidding me? Notice in verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Who am I trying to prove? Who am I trying to seek approval from? Am I trying to please man? Notice Paul's response. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let me say this to you as your pastor, just an encouragement to you as we walk through this text. If I'm not careful, I will drift into seeking to please you as a congregation. It's the temptation of every past. No pastor wants to say that, but that's the truth. You stop giving because you don't like me. I don't get a paycheck. I have to hunt a job, right? It's the temptation of a pastor, but I want you to hear me this morning. I'm landing where Paul lands. Because the honest truth is, there are going to be times when you come in, and because we're walking through scripture, because we're unpacking the text week by week, there's going to be moments where you look up and you go, Hey, Pastor, that that kind of hurts. I don't like that. That feels uncomfortable. And my tendency is to go, "Mm, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Maybe I'll just please them. I want you to hear me this morning. Like Paul, I have one person that I answer to. Now, what that doesn't mean is that there's no accountability for me. I want you to hear that. But I want you to also hear that if there ever comes a point where someone says to me, hey, pastor, if you don't do this to please me, my crowd, what we want, It's gonna be bad for you. I can promise you. I'm standing with Paul in this. That my responsibility as your pastor, because here's the thing I will have to give an account to the Lord for what he has entrusted to me. So there's one person I have to answer to, and it's a whole lot worse than a congregation of people. One person that I have to say to, uh, here's why I did this, here's why I skirted around this issue that I knew needed to be addressed. Here's why I didn't preach this passage of Scripture because I didn't want to offend anybody. But I want you to hear me this morning. I am called by God to seek His approval and be faithful to what He's called me to do. That's what Paul is reminding the Galatians here. It may hurt in the moment, but it is good for their souls that Paul is willing to address what he's addressing here. Let me say this to you as well as a follower of Jesus you also may struggle with this. In a relationship that you have, you may struggle with this in someone that you work with where they say something that you look and go, that, that, that's not what God's word says. But where in that moment you're kind of like, mm, I just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just going to kind of shrink back a little bit. I want you to know, believer, you have one person that you answer to as well. You answer to the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid his life down for you. So where we may be tempted as followers of Jesus to sugarcoat something or to, to not say what truthfully needs to be said. Now, hear me in this. That doesn't mean you're supposed to be a jerk. All right? Some people who are followers of Jesus are jerks. And the reason they see pushback is because they're jerks, not because of what they're actually saying. Amen from the baby back there, right? (laughs) But I want you to hear me in this. You may have conversations that you absolutely need to have with people. Don't shrink back from those. Recognize that you and I answer to the Lord. Paul says if he were still trying to please man, he would not be a servant, a slave, of Christ. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. We're going to have an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord today. Maybe you've come in this morning and for you, you are not a follower of Jesus. You've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And as we've talked about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what Christ has done for you, today is the day that you need to receive that for yourself. To place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. I want to encourage you in just a few minutes, as we sing, you can make your way down to the front and let myself or Pastor Aaron know that. You can fill out a connection card. And let us know that that's a step that you'd like to take. We'd love nothing more than to help you take that step. And maybe you're a follower of Jesus this morning, and the reality is, as we've walked through the text, there are false gospels that are having sway in your life right now, or you've drifted away in the same way that these believers in Galatia had, from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe today you need to acknowledge that, spend some time in prayer before the Lord, to ask the Lord to take you back to the foundation, to the true gospel, to remind you of how beautiful it is, glorious it is. Maybe you look in today, you realize that you have shrunk back from some conversations that you've needed to have. And the reason is a fear of man. But today you need to claim the truth that you have one person that you're answering to. From this point forward, you're answering to the Lord. You want to be faithful to stand on the truth of his word, the truth of the gospel. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives, that you would use this time to bring those who are far from you home to remind us of the glorious truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we cling to it. May we stand firm on it. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and would you sing? If you want to spend some time in prayer, you can come down to the altar. If you need to have someone pray for you, we'd love to do that. You respond as the Lord leads.